Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. Hello, Steelers Nation. It is Victory Monday. The Pittsburgh Steelers are coming off a big, big win over the Baltimore Ravens, 20-19 to 19 in, uh, you know, a, a game that definitely cut a couple of years off everybody's life, but at the same time, added enough energy to all of us to, I think, last until Thursday night against the Minnesota Vikings. Donnie, how are you feeling, my friend? Man, uh, by the skin of their teeth, they got it done. And, you know, at the NFL level, that's all you can ask. A win is a win is a win. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin, obviously, throughout his entire career, has continually said he does not care about style points. You take wins when you can get him in the NFL. And you know what? To see Big Ben march down the field one more time against the Baltimore Ravens at home at Heinz Field, at dark, at night, phenomenal, super phenomenal. Granted, if, uh, you know, a, a certain pass on a two-point conversion is two inches a little bit closer to tight end Mark Andrews, we're having a completely hey, different discussion. Hey, hey, hypotheticals aren't a thing that we talk about here in Steelers Nation, okay? Does not, does not, does not count. It is a drop pass. And like I said, I, I said it a, a couple of times in the last 12 to 14 hours, I guess, that if you go back and watch that play, so Lamar Jackson said it after the game. He said, TJ Watt was the reason that that was an incomplete pass. And you go back and watch, and the dude is. Like, he he comes off the line. He's barely hit. They, they try to low block him, and he gets right in the face. He's, he's up in the air. It's Mark Andrews. Like, I, I get it that he should have caught that pass. And, like, if he's another step forward, like you said, that's, that's two-point conversion. Game's over. It is what it is. But T.J. Watt and that defense, they came through when they needed to. It's a win. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's a lot of decisions that go into that. If you want to count, oh, well, maybe they should have lost. Well, at the same time, the Baltimore Ravens could have sent this into overtime, hope they got the ball back. I mean, they just marched down the field in a minute and 20 seconds. Chances are they could do it again, put some points on the board. They have the best kicker in the NFL. Chris Boswell's not hitting things. He's not having a good night. Things were in their direction, and I, I get that the cornerback situation is what John Harbaugh alluded to as to why they went for the two-point conversion, but I don't know. If you're going to put it out there, if you're going to put out uh, you know, a different conversation, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of ifs, I think, that go both sides there. What is your overall view of the defense after that night? Because a bad last drive there, but you take away a Minka Fitzpatrick penalty that should not have counted, and – you know, you add or you remove 20 seconds and the Baltimore Ravens don't even come close to winning that game. Yeah, and I really feel like we got to stop rewarding bad throws with uh, pass interference calls. I mean, granted, like I, I know and um, I, I believe whoever it was alluded to, I think it was Tony Romo, that said uh, whenever Minka had his arm wrapped around the receiver, you know, they were definitely going to call that. And like, I guess from like an official standpoint, if you're kind of like poorly positioned on that play and you do see a receiver trying to go back to the ball and you see Minka with his arm around you, sure. But that that ball, like in hindsight, was underthrown to hell. And like that should not have been a penalty. But yeah. I, I feel like the after after the first drive, well, after the drive where the, uh, the Ravens went 99 yards. Yeah. I feel like Off the, of, the defense look at the best punt of Presley Harvin's career. Totally wasted. We're going to put that out there real quick. Mm-hmm. Keep going. After that, I feel like they shared up a little bit. I still feel like a lot of the same issues kept kind of like reoccurring for the Steelers, most notably at inside linebacker. 
Um, I mean, I, I was talking about it just a little bit with Derek on Twitter. I mean, Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd will look great in black and gold next year is all I'm saying. Um, you know, Schobert is kind of whatever. Hey, he's way past his prime. Devin Bush is still trying to pick up the pieces, uh, to, you know, to whatever fell off and broke, you know, up here before the season. Um, the the secondary, the, the, the soft zone defense that has played is just kind of like infuriating at times. Um, you know, most notably the third and 14 on the final drive where there's open receivers left and right. And Lamar kind of has his pick. But at the end of the day, the, the Steelers' pass rush came through. You know, whether it be Chris Wormling or Tejo Lott, I feel like both of those guys had phenomenal nights in terms of getting to the quarterback. And, you know, if you can hold the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and, you know, what, what's been known to be a high-potent offense to under 20 points, you kind of like your chances, right? Yeah, you definitely do. And I think an unspoken hero or an unsung hero in this game is Alex Highsmith because the reason that TJ and Chris Wormley and those guys were so successful is because Lamar couldn't escape the pocket. It was always – everything was secluded. It kept Lamar in that pocket, and that had a lot to do with Alex Highsmith's bull rush on the other side, keeping that pocket from opening up on one side to escape. Because you know Lamar is yep. not looking to go to TJ's side. That's not what he wants to do. But there's nothing on the other side. Obviously, Chris Wormley has a phenomenal game on the inside. I, I loved the Wormley game because he – his smile afterwards when he was asked, like, hey, now how good did this feel to get two and a half sacks against your former team, a team that traded you to a division rival? And he was just like, yeah, it, uh, it was nice. It was nice. And, I, you know, I felt good about that one. On the back end, I agree. Soft zone coverage is just a thing that we got to deal with. That's just the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's who they are. That doesn't really change. Me and Derek had a good conversation on Friday about maybe that does change if the draft or – free agency goes according to plan and they can bring a guy in that's like real dominant in man-to-man coverage. Akello Witherspoon's a name. I, I want to ask you about him. He, he had a good game. Is, is yeah. he the answer moving forward? You think until no. Joe Hayden could return? I mean, until Joe I, Hayden comes back. I don't know what the answer is. And I feel like the, the best way to put this is whenever you go into a test where you don't study, and like you're like you don't know what the answer is, but you're looking at all the options. You're like, well, none of these can be right, you know. Like, not there's not a single option here that I'm really comfortable with. So like, I guess I got to throw one out, you know, hope I'm right. And that was with a spoon last night. And granted, he, he did play very well, but I mean, one game out of a very relatively poor sample size during his time in Pittsburgh, even going back to his time in San Francisco, uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna take that to the bank and run with it. So, okay. I kind of expected better, or not a better, but like a more, um, a different answer. Like a yes, this is this is the dude. I feel like a it's lot of people are saying Justin that. Lane, probably. But I think it's, are you better than James Pierre? And James Pierre lost a lot of confidence, but I think James Pierre is a talented guy. I think James Pierre is the more talented guy, but I also feel like, you know, Akilo's probably playing better football at the moment, right? Yeah, I agree. I do agree with that. And I, I think Akilo Witherspoon has more upside right now. Just like in a short-term situation, I don't know about next season, but I mean, like Jose jumped on here and told us a couple months ago, like the dude could play like a starting cornerback when he wants to play like a starting cornerback. Yeah. We saw that last night. He said today that it just it was so easy to feed into the energy on that field, and I think that he had a lot of swagger that probably helped out a dude, you lot. You have to, you have dude, to playing corner in the NFL. You have to, yeah. Let me uh, let's jump into the comments here. I, I do want to address this one. I want to get your opinion on this one. So, mm -hmm. Big Ben, still king of the North. You have to look. Last week, Joe Burrow annihilated this team. 
Baker Mayfield is the biggest question mark in possibly the whole AFC right now. You you go through them. You go through everything. Joe Burrow annihilated the Pittsburgh Steelers a week ago, came back, basically got smoked for all of, you know, a third quarter attempt at a comeback against the Chargers. Lamar Jackson just lost to Ben Roethlisberger a couple of weeks ago. He got annihilated by Joe Burrow. And like I said, Baker Mayfield is still the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. They're not really a lot to be messing with. Is Ben Roethlisberger still the king of the North here? Is that still a possibility that somehow, you know, Pittsburgh could be the best team in the AFC North when this is all said and done? So I don't think that. I, I, I do think just in terms of quarterback play, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're still the reigning division champs for another five or six weeks. I'm sure that's going to change. But, um, you know, Big Ben, he's flashed the ability that he's shown throughout his entire career a couple of times throughout the year. Granted, he has looked very poor. And um, this is actually something we could probably talk about because the, the reports that came out last week of Ben, you know, secretly telling the you know, people and, you know, people inside the team that it, it was going to be his last year. Uh, you know, you, you really look forward to look forward to, excuse me, um, seeing a lot of the like vintage big Ben Roethlisberger performances. And we got that again on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, right now the, for the week, yeah, he, he's the king of the north. But it, another thing I, I, I did want to touch in that comment, what I really like is that the AFC North rivalries, you know, they're fun. There's a lot of trash talk involved. I feel like Steelers-Ravens is just, like, a step above everything, just in terms of, like, mutual respect, you know? Mm Because, like, for so long, it was the Steelers and the Ravens, and it was the Browns and the Bengals at the bottom of the division. And, dude, we've seen some very, very good football games, you know, between those two teams. The Ravens have won their fair share of games. The Steelers have won their fair share of games. I mean, the, the respect between guys like Big Ben, Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, Palomalu, Ed Reed, just like the, that entire nucleus of players. And I'm sure it's the same between guys like TJ and Lamar, you know, Cam Hayward and you know, whoever else it might be. And it, it just feels like whenever the Steelers and Ravens play, it's always the best game on television, you know, regardless yeah. of whatever team's records there are. And there's always like a mutual respect for like how good the other team is and just how they play each other. It, to stick with that, so one thing I do want to touch before I, I ask this or, or I bring this up is that I did watch TJ and Lamar like kind of like dab each other up mid-game, and I was like, that was really cool um, because I agree. It is like a mutual – it's a difference. It's a rivalry. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a respectful rivalry. You know that if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens are going to be your hardest team that you play all season long. And if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you know that the Pittsburgh Steelers, no matter who they are, are going to be the hardest team that you play all year long. It's a hard-fought AFC North battle. It is what's hot in the kitchen every year, which is awesome. At the same at the same time, when it comes to just kind of like bringing everything full circle here with Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers and the whole king of the AFC North, Lamar Jackson cannot beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. He just can't seem to do it. Not a healthy Pittsburgh Steelers team. How much confidence does that give you going down the stretch? This could come the whole division could come down to one game week 18 Pittsburgh in Baltimore. And if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you got to have at least enough confidence to say, yeah, maybe we could pull this one off. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, you have to figure out you got to have a lot of things go your way the next couple of weeks in order for the Steelers to be in that position in the first place. But I mean, we, we felt the same way. In 2019, whenever, you know, the Steelers were fighting for a playoff spot, the last week of the season was in Baltimore. Lamar wasn't even playing. It was Robert Griffin III. And, 
just imagine a healthy Steelers team going into Baltimore and just doing better than they did. I mean, we're, we're talking about the Steelers potentially going on the playoff run in 2019 with perhaps their best defense they've had in the last like nine years, you know, since yeah. they went to the Super Bowl in 2010. I don't want to say the season's like over, but I don't think I it's mean, even close to over. I thought a no, week ago it was over, no, but I no, think right now, I think it's not over because of how inconsistent everybody is in the AFC North. Yep, if the Bengals exactly. won yesterday, I'm thinking, okay, chances are the Steelers can't catch both of them. Now all I'm thinking is they're a half game behind the Cincinnati Bengals. They are one and a half games behind the Baltimore Ravens, and they still got to play the Ravens one more time. I don't know. Like It it, it might not be pretty at how it happens, but I, I'm not going to say that. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, it, it's not going to be pretty, but I mean, things in the AFC North normally are never pretty, especially whenever you get down to this grueling, you know, stretch to end the season where you're going to be playing divisional opponents. Everybody's going to be banged up in the teams. Yeah, teams need wins, and you know that's why it really sucked watching them lose both games to the Bengals because like you needed to win at least one of those, at least one of those. And mm-hmm. just, just like look where that game would have put them. You know, you already said that they're a half game behind the Bengals. Uh, at least one win against the Bengals would put you ahead of them, in, you know, in, in terms of just winning the division. And now you get that first game against Baltimore. Granted, I know it's at Heinz Field. I know, you know, it's the afternoon slot where you know, everybody thinks the, scene, the, the Steelers like to play a little bit better. Uh, but Week 18 is going to be a monster matchup. But I think regardless of how, you know, the rest of the schedule goes for either of the two teams. There's going to be implications, you know, whether it be for Pittsburgh, whether it be for Baltimore, or just like any other playoff seating through the rest of the AFC. It's, it's going to go through Baltimore. And I feel like the Steelers, Steelers excuse me, um, got to like at least knowing that if they're not going to be in the playoffs, they at least get to play spoiler to somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's it. I mean, at the end, this count, as long as they don't lose every game that they shouldn't lose from here on out, which we can't say for certain they won't. Yeah, but like, that's the problem, man. Like they do, they do lose those games that they shouldn't lose. Yeah. That's what I'm saying though. But if they don't, things are still alive. If they do, I mean, like you just said, they could easily be the team that ruins the Baltimore Ravens season in week 18 for some odd reason. You know, even if that's, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you feel it's not a good victory, but if Ben goes out taking Baltimore out of the playoffs to put Joe Burrow in, I mean, you're like, you're like, okay, you know, I ended off the the season, my career with a win in Cleveland or against Cleveland at home on Monday night. And then I went to Baltimore and beat Lamar Jackson one last time. I mean, you gotta, you gotta feel good about it before we jump into, I want to talk a lot about TJ Watt here. Here's a, here's a good question. Uh, Do you seriously believe after the year that the Steelers start with a new quarterback and I believe by that the question is more a rookie quarterback than a veteran quarterback do you think that's the move I mean last night the defense showed they could carry this team but Ben Roethlisberger had a lot to do with the momentum and not giving up on that game I feel yeah shout out to Ben for taking over the controls because a Matt Canada led offense right now is good for nothing good from what I've heard so just to just just to kind of like clarify there because I'm not the biggest Matt Canada fan but I don't I'm not going to judge Matt Canada until Ben Roethlisberger is gone. Um, from what I've heard, it's that last night was a lot of Matt Canada saying the play in Ben's ear and then Ben just saying it to everybody as they're going. Like it was a no huddle operated through Matt Canada, which gives you some hope, but I do agree with you. The offense works best when Ben is the offense. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and the season ends, you just fire Matt Canada and say, Ben, 
come call the offensive plays here. And <laughs> I think that's the best situation. Will he do it? No. Will it happen? No. But Ben is a great play caller, and we both all, all know that. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, you're cool. Um, obviously, everybody saw the report from Jason Luckett for about how the Steelers were doing a lot of work for quarterbacks in the 2022 draft. And obviously, we can expand a little bit more on that. Um, you know, as draft time comes a little bit closer, whenever we're both in Mobile, chilling, oh, vibing. Still have to do that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so we can get obviously more in depth whenever that time comes, but it's not surprising. You know, I, I do think it's Ben's last year here. Uh, if you've listened to his podcast at all, that should be no surprise to you whenever those reports from Adam Schefter came out that Ben was going to retire after this year. Um, could things still change? Obviously. But, I mean, I think Ben knows it's time. I think everybody watching knows it's probably time for the Steelers and Ben to kind of mutually part ways and move on. Um, but in terms of getting a new quarterback, I mean, we've been very adamant. You know, this is not us rooting for anything. And I think it's just us trying to see the clear picture of what they're going to try to do. Mason Rudolph, again, it, it really looks like he's going to be the guy next year. And, you know, whether or not you still keep Rudolph and you draft a guy high and, you know, you let, you let the rookie sit behind Rudolph for a year, that might be a possible option. It, it's just there's so many different ways you can go with this. And there's really no, like, right way to go about it, too. But, I mean, just in terms of finding your next franchise quarterback, the the, the Bills and Chiefs did it perfectly. You know, you, you're up in the high 20s in the draft. You move into the top 10 to get your guy. You, you know, you let them sit for about a year, and then you turn them loose. I mean, the, the the tried and true tested way of developing a quarterback in the modern NFL era. And you're you're dead on. Look at Mason Rudolph is the Cam Newton of the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Mac Jones of the New England Patriots. It's not pretty. It's not what anybody wants to see. But I definitely agree with you. you no matter who it is, as long as it's a rookie, you sit them for a year and you say, look at develop. There's no rush here. Develop. That being said, if the Pittsburgh Steelers somehow start the season 5-0 and and Mason Rudolph is playing terrible, then you at least consider it. Then you go, okay, maybe this defense is that good. Everybody's healthy. But I think in the long run of things, you're dead right. It's, it, you don't win football games long-term without taking a break from winning football games. That's how you have to do it. That being said, this season is still alive. Next season, we'll see what happens, but I, I agree with you. I think that if that's what happens, you, ha you have to approach it with the Mason Rudolph is unfortunately the guy that you got to roll with for at least a little a little while. Moving back to this season and the defensive side of the ball, TJ Watt, a freak of nature. The dude was running around trees in his backyard with COVID for four days, re re returned. He healed from a positive COVID test. Faster than anybody in the history of the NFL, which we all thought was impossible because Ben Roethlisberger two weeks earlier returned from COVID faster than anybody in the NFL. And if Ben Roethlisberger could do it, nobody else in the world can do it. We all know that. The man's body is a brick house we, that makes no sense to science at all. TJ Watt, apparently the same human being. Came back 12 hours, 24 hours before... The game before kickoff comes, he's activated. TJ, ready to go. Here he is. You're thinking, okay, look at He's got a hip and a knee injury. We'll see what happens. Nope, three and a half sacks. Brings his total to 16. He will easily, easily surpass his career high. People are talking about him breaking the sack record. Is there any argument that this dude is not defensive player of the year this year? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, I am, I'm the first man to step up. And I know this is a really unpopular opinion in Pittsburgh. I, I feel like Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL whenever he's healthy. But I mean, if we're looking at awards right now, TJ should have won it two years ago. TJ should have won defensive player of the year this year. TJ White has missed some time and still looks like he probably could break that sack record. Let's forget about defensive player of the year for a minute. This dude needs MVP votes. This dude needs MVP votes for putting the entire team, not even the defense, the entire team on his back week after week after week, producing with double teams, with triple teams, with him being held almost every single play, with no Stefan to it in the interior, with Cam Hayward missing a little bit of time, with me and you playing at middle linebacker, with me and you playing on the boundary at corner. Dude's doing it. He's doing, doing it. the damn thing. It's, not a chance. Not a chance he loses this award this year. No, not unless he gets hurt. Not if a chance. T- yeah, not unless he hit, gets hurt. TJ Watt has been hurt twice. <laughs> two times. He's missed two and a half or three, three and a half games of football this season. He has 16 sacks. And so I don't know how many people follow me on Twitter, but every game I just keep track. Like TJ Watt has 15 sacks. TJ Watt has 16 sacks. And it hit a point where every game I'm like forgetting to tweet out another one because he's always in there. Now, yesterday I will uh, be the first to admit that I clearly thought Chris Wormley should have had three sacks and TJ Watt should have had three sacks, not two and a half, three and a half. But that is for another debate. The MVP, easy. Easy. It will never happen, ever. The NFL is an offensive game. It will always be an offensive game. A quarterback could have a terrible, terrible season. There could be no quarterback with a good season, and a quarterback would get the award before an outside linebacker. That's just how it works. If you watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you watched last night's game against the Baltimore Ravens, TJ Watt won that game. And there's a lot of things that went into it. But it came down to a few key moments. And one of those key moments was literally to win the game. Two-point conversion, 20 seconds left in the game. Lamar Jackson has the football. He's the biggest freak in nature in the NFL. Two years ago, he's the MVP. You want to know what he says after the game? He says, yeah, I couldn't win the game because of TJ Watt. That's MVP worthy. He wins games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if somehow, somehow the Pittsburgh Steelers merge their way into the into the NFL playoffs this year, or they win the AFC North and TJ Watt continues to be the guy that he is, which like you said, unless he gets hurt, that's, that's going to happen. That's who he is. He's a, he's a game record. There has to be some consideration for somebody to say, look at this dude is, is possibly the second best, maybe the best player in football. I, I don't know if I agree with the Aaron Donald thing, but I, I don't know if I watch enough Aaron Donald to have an argument there. At some point, you have to look at him and go, this guy is the reason the Pittsburgh Steelers are alive. This guy is the reason the Pittsburgh Steelers season is still in hopes. This guy might be the reason the Pittsburgh Steelers make the playoffs. I don't know. That's like the definition of MVP, the most valuable player to a team. The gap between TJ Watt and anybody else in Pittsburgh is significant. And I honestly think number two is Deontay Johnson. And that gap, I mean, is huge, huge. So... I agree with you. I don't think that there's any argument that he should. If he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year, do you just give up on the award? You're just like, 
yeah, this doesn't even mean anything After anymore. Three straight years of him not winning it. When I mean, he's had a really good argue, argument. I mean, he lost the first time to Stefan Gilmore. He granted had a very good year, but I mean, Gilmore yeah, playing at the okay quarterback year. position. Uh, okay, uh, second year lost it to Aaron Donald, which, like I said, I mean, dude's probably the most impactful player in the NFL. I just time and time again. I mean, he, no, it, that was the it's Super Bowl him, year. It's, it's hard to argue him that and one. TJ. It's him and TJ and everybody else pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then this year, I mean, Miles Garrett. No, come on. There's no way, right? Like, that's it. Like, that's the number two. Everybody just says, oh, it's Miles Garrett. Like, this is the only year. Usually it's like, okay, Aaron Donald's having like a record breaking year. I got the Super Bowl year. Like, you make it to the Super Bowl, it's really hard to say that guy who might be equally as good as TJ Watt and equally as impactful as TJ Watt is going to get the award. He just took his team to the Super Bowl. I totally understand that one. Last year, I didn't get it at all. That should have easily been, easily been TJ Watt's award. He was by far just the biggest, the, the biggest game changer on a football field. And he had for the numbers to back it up over Aaron Donald too. That's exactly. That was like last year didn't make any sense. I get that. You know, the name plays a little bit of a role in here. I think this year, this is the year that the NFL realizes, okay, a lot of people are yelling at us that TJ Watt is getting snubbed from this award. It, it, he's backing it up. You know what I mean? Like it's 16 sacks. He's played 10 games. We're heading into week 14 it's an extra week. By the end of week 18, TJ Watt could walk away with 25 sacks on the year. He's had one game. He's played in one game this season. And, and I'm not 100% sure on the statistic, but I'm pretty positive on it. I'm pretty positive he's played one game this season where he hasn't had double digit or not double digit, but multiple sacks in a game. That's before the forced fumbles, which he had another one last night. That's before the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense as a whole is disgustingly bad without him on the football field it's it doesn't include the fact that he no longer has bud dupree it doesn't include the fact that he's like you said playing a defensive line that doesn't have tyson Alulu or doesn't have stefan to it last night a guy named monty adams started for the pittsburgh steelers he was there for about 72 hours before he took the field i mean he's got no inside linebackers like you said he's got no cornerbacks joe hayden's been banged up the last three weeks and the dude came back from covid he had COVID. He had a pandemic disease for a whole week. Came back, put up three and a half sacks. I don't know. I don't think that there's an argument against him. Am I right on that stat? Did you just look that up? Yeah, so there's actually been four games where Watt has not had more than one sack. Um, so the game against uh, the Raiders, he only had one. Denver, he didn't have any sacks, but he did have a, uh, a stuffed run and three tackles. Uh, let's see. The game against Detroit, where it tied at 16, they only gave him one sack. And then against the Bengals, he didn't have any sacks. Bengals, he was hurt. That one doesn't count. Um, and there's another game in there. What game did he get hurt in at the beginning of the season? Was it Bro the Broncos game? It might have been the Broncos game. It might have been the Broncos game, yeah, because he only had three tackles and no sacks. So. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. That's what I, he's – Either way, maybe I was wrong on that, but I think both of our arguments remain the same. The dude is unstoppable on a football field and still has four or five games, five games to just kind of secure this award. I also think the fact that the Rams are not playing great football certainly helps his case. Definitely. And, yep. I mean, does Miles Garrett, can you can you finish with six wins and and win defensive player of the year? Is that even a thing? 
I don't know, but that's also something the Steelers got to worry about too, you know, because the Steelers aren't exactly in great shape compared to the rest of the NFL. Yeah, they're not, but they have a lot of games that they could win, and chances are they're going to beat the Cleveland Browns at home on Monday night in Week 17. That might be the final showdown where Watts just like, yeah, all right, I'm going to go win this award now. We're going to thanks and uh, and keep it moving here. Yeah, put the nail in the coffin. Oh, yeah. Put the nail in the coffin there, right at Heinz Field, right at home. Ben sends Ben off with a win against the Cleveland Browns, heading to Baltimore in Week 18. It could be fun. That could be phenomenal. That could be exactly what everybody's looking for. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this more as the week goes on. But yesterday, our, our week 13's game against the Ravens definitely put a stamp on the whole, okay, let's stop messing around with T.J. Watt. Let's stop questioning T.J. Watt's greatness. Let's stop talking about Trayvon Diggs win defensive player of the year over a guy who literally changes the game every time he steps on the field. Beat the Baltimore Ravens last night single-handedly. Sing, single-handedly. Um, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. For the last couple minutes here. Lost to the Detroit Lions. Lost a lot of people money, but we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that. We're not gonna talk. We're not gonna talk about who they did or did not lose money for, how much money they lost or did not lose someone. Let's just say that they lost, and I know personally that they lost a lot of people a decent amount of money. Um, to the 0-10-1 Detroit Lions, which before yesterday. The Pittsburgh Steelers were looked so far down upon because of their tie to the Detroit Lions. Well, the only way you could look farther down on a team than the Pittsburgh Steelers when it comes to the Detroit Lions is to beat them and beat them on a last minute drive that looked absolutely pathetic. Let me ask this question because we can talk about the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. I don't really care about them. Does a loss to the Detroit Lions four days before you play the Pittsburgh Steelers at home on Thursday night? Does that do more good than bad for the Vikings in terms of motivation, preparation, all that stuff? I think the NFL is a week-to-week league. And what I mean by that is stuff can change so rapidly from seven days apart from one another. If I'm a football player, if I'm a professional football player, and I have any pride at all, and I lose to the Detroit Lions, who had gone so long without a win. Let them march down the field on the final drive of the game and score a touchdown where there was nobody near the receiver. Dude, they played the Bengals like picket fence defense. Remember that? Remember the Najee underthrow on fourth down that everybody's like, what the heck? And Ben's like, dude, they put everyone in the end zone. What did you want me to yeah. do? Like, that's what they did. And then they allowed a touchdown. Keep going. If I'm a football player with any pride and I lose to the Lions, you bet your ass I'm, I'm coming back the next week with a vengeance. Like you, I, I promise you that Vikings team is not going to look like what they looked like on Sunday. I don't think the Vikings are the best team in their division. I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. I, I think they're a pretty good football team, whatever, you know, everybody's healthy. Um, and just a, a, a lot of the players they have can cause problems. Granted, Adam Thielen. I believe it's a fractured ankle, so he'll be out for a little while, including the Steelers game that's going to be happening in a couple of days here. No doubt. Uh, Justin Jefferson is going to be a problem for the Steelers. Oh, gosh. Justin Jefferson is going to be a problem for the Steelers. Um, and even without Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison is still a really good player. So, I mean, the Steelers' run defense isn't getting any help there. In total, yeah. I, I, I would expect a completely different Minnesota Vikings team on Thursday. 
So I, I I do agree, and I think that it does hurt them a little bit. At the same time, though, I've watched the Vikings like three or four times this season, and every single time the Vikings lose a game that they should not lose. And it kind of just puts in my head, like, maybe the Vikings are just that team. Like, you know, you watch the Denver Broncos last night, and for a while you're just like, this team is just so bland. Like, there's just no oomph. You watch the Minnesota Vikings, and it's the same thing. It's just really bad decision-making. Kirk Cousins, who you like, want to believe in, but you can't because time and time again he shows you that there's no trust there. Now they're missing some guys. I want to say it helps. I want to say that a loss to the Detroit Lions should light a fire that is unable to be put out. I don't know if I can say that i also know that the pittsburgh steelers tied the cincinnati Bengals, are tied the detroit lions and everybody said you know that's it man that's rock bottom and then they got smoked by the cincinnati Bengals six days later and i just I, I there's a part of me that's just thinking this is not rock bottom for the minnesota vikings this is just the beginning of the downfall i could be wrong I just feel like history just shows that that's what's going to happen. At the same time, can the Steelers, is it good? This A win is obviously a good thing, but it was a mo, an, an emotional win. Can they carry that into Thursday? Is that, is that possible? It's, it's the Vikings. Yeah. It's not like they're going to play the Browns or something. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you're going to play a football game four days later, you want to play it coming off of a win rather than yeah. loss, you know, because um, granted, you know, the, the Vikings would be coming off that loss and they're like, you look like we got to rebound. Like there, there's literally nothing else we can do besides go win a football game after this. Like the, the, anything less will be an absolute disgrace. But like on, on the Steelers side of it, you needed that win against Baltimore real bad. I, I think you needed that win to stay up in the standings, needed it to keep alive in the playoff picture. But most importantly, you needed it to remind yourself we're the Pittsburgh Steelers. We can go yep. out and win football games. No matter the style of the game, how it's playing, we can go out and we can be a Baltimore Ravens team who, you know, granted, they've looked really good the last couple of years. We need that. We need that to prove to ourselves that we can still win football games regardless of what has happened, the, you know, whatever 12 games beforehand, right? Yep. I think the Steelers are in a better position than the Vikings. Yeah. I think the Vikings – I think the Steelers, whenever they're healthy, obviously have a better roster than the Vikings. Both teams are kind of going through a little bit of injury troubles. But, I mean, Steelers got their mojo. The Steelers got their mojo with that win against the Ravens, and it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out on Thursday. It will be. And just to go to back to the Vikings side of things real quick. So I'm looking at their schedule right now, and the Vikings have lost back-to-back games three times this season. Um to the Bengals and the Cardinals. And the only time they haven't lost back-to-back games is against the Browns, where they came back, beat the Detroit Lions the next week. The the issue maybe for the Steelers is that every time they've lost two, they've won, and they've now lost two back-to-back games heading into Thursday night. Now the teams that they won after back-to-back losses are not super impressive. It's the Seattle Seahawks, which you could say what you want about them at this point, the Los Angeles Chargers, which again, you could say what you want against them this season. Yeah. And now it'll come down to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I, I don't, I don't want to say that, 
you know, it, if you follow a pattern, but I feel like in today's NFL, everything's about analytics and trends and blah, 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 blah. If you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, you know, you can't, it's tough to lose three in a row. It's tough for a decent team to lose three in a row. At the same time, it is Thursday night, and home teams have a major advantage on Thursday night. Like you said, though, Mojo's flowing. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a streaky team. When they are bad, they are bad. But when they are good, they are good. And if you're going to look at that, I mean, you got to remember, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost three in a row. And then they came back, and they won three in a row. And then they went back. And they lost three in a row, two in a row and a tie. Now they won one in a row. So if you're going to look at one side, you got to look at both. And I, I agree with you. I think that the mojo's here. Things are looking good. And obviously we'll talk a lot, uh, a lot more about that on Wednesday. But as an early glance, I, I, I think that how things played out on Sunday, a win against the Detroit Lions, a blowout win against the Detroit Lions is the best case scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Vikings won by 40 points and they're coming in hot, to Minnesota, the Steelers are walking away with a 20-point win. A loss to the, to the Detroit Lions, maybe it killed them. Maybe it motivated them. Again, we'll talk a, a lot more about that on Wednesday. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube at All Steelers Talk. And check out your favorite podcast house on Twitter at Nostrack at Donnie Droon. We will be back on Wednesday this week as we prepare for a Thursday night showdown in Minnesota. We'll see you then.